Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Today, I'm going to be speaking about Don't Follow Your Passion, applying Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. A lot of what I'm going to be talking about today is for uh, Christians. So if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, a lot of this is targeted to you. Now, if you're here today and you haven't done that, don't worry. I'm going to have something for you as well. Now, some of you may be wondering, well, am I going to be talking about myself since I've never spoken in the pulpit before? Yes, I will. And others may be wondering, well, are you going to be talking about children since you do children's ministry and you've done it for a long time? Yes, I'm going to do that. And then some of you are wondering about, well, you know, this is Calvary Chapel and we teach from the Bible, so aren't you going to be talking about the Bible? Yes, yes I will. And some of you must be wondering what time we're going to be leaving today. Don't worry, I'll try not to go too long. I'm going to begin with something that now, with Mike Rowe, who's not a Christian that I know of, seems like a nice guy, but I'm not sure that he's a Christian. Uh, he is, if you've watched a lot of Discovery Channels, you've heard him. If you've watched not, uh, Dirty Jobs on that channel, you've seen him. He's got a show on CNN called uh, Somebody's Got to Do It. And he's done commercials for Ford, among others. So he's, he's, he's out there. He's got a good podcast, The Way I Heard It, which I recommend. He made a video that I kind of based the Don't Follow Your Passion part on, but I've taken it in a different direction. And what you can do, don't do this now, but you can write down, Mike Rowe, Don't Follow Your Passion. And then you can look at the YouTube later on. It's good for those who are young and they're thinking about what they want to do vocationally. It's good for people who are thinking about switching from one vocation to another. So it's really not a Christian thing. It's more of a vocational thing. But I'm going to be applying it today in a Christian way. So you'll know you got to the right place when you see something that looks like that. It runs about 20 minutes. It's pretty uh, interesting, and uh, you may not agree with it, but at least he makes some good points. Um, so when I speak about don't follow your passion, I'm really talking about in ministry. Um, because as Christians, we're all part of a church, we're part of the general body of Christ, and we're all called to take part in some way. Uh, and there may be times in our lives when, when we can't do that, and that's okay, but for a lot of our lives in Christ, as part of the church, we're supposed to be part of the church in some way. And some people have an idea about what their passion is. And I, I know this because I've heard it many times and I've read it many times over the years. So what does it mean to find your passion or to follow your passion? What am I talking about? It would be something that maybe I love to do it or I'm good at doing it and applied in a context of a church. It might be something that's fulfilling, again, applied in the context of ministry. Could be something that God has prepared me to do, either by training or by life experience. Or it could be something that God's planned for me to do, 
Um, God does speak to us, but when he does, it's always in accordance with his word. But yeah, you may have, there are people who have had an idea that God had called them to a particular ministry. And if that's the case, I'm not saying that that's not the case, but um, what I'll be talking about today will actually help to confirm that call on your life. And the, the basis of what we're talking about today is found in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. And I'll be coming back to it a lot. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. It's one of the most familiar and famous scriptures in the whole Bible, but I think it's often not applied enough. And we're going to try to apply it today. And let's break it down first to make sure we know what we're talking about. Trusting in the Lord with all of your heart is depending on God more than anything else, more than any other person. It means that I took, when I took my daughter Tabitha to the, to the doctor yesterday, I prayed for her to get better. Now, maybe God would heal her, or maybe the medication that the doctor prescribed would work. Either way, I'm trusting that uh, Tabitha is being healed. I'm trusting God more than I am trusting in man. Um, lean not on your own understanding, it kind of goes along with that. If God says something and I say something else or, or I, hear, I read or hear somebody say something else, what God says goes. And we take that from Scripture because that's where the God's instructions for us are found if we are Christians. And not to say that God can't speak to us outside of Scripture, because we do believe that, but it will always be aligned with Scripture. It will never conflict with Scripture. The third is, in all your ways, acknowledge him. This is the action part. It's taking what we learned about what God's will for us is and making it real in our lives. We're not doing this so that we can somehow earn God's favor, because we can't do it. And, and I think that's something we understand well here in our church, that it's only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ that uh, we have a communion with God and we get to know God. Um, so, but along the way, in our Christian walk, we learn about what God wants us to do and, and we want to obey him. It's part of uh, the normal thinking of a Christian or what it should be. And finally, he shall direct your paths. So that could be showing us which road to take. It could be a fork in the road showing us which way, left or right. Or maybe there are multiple roads helping us choose the right one. But sometimes, because God is God, he'll build a road where there wasn't one, just for us. He'll do that. But what does that look like? Well, I, I'm going to provide an example today. Uh, and it's going to be me. I, I'm 56 years old. I've been a Christian since I was eight, nine, ten. I'm the one in the middle, by the way. Uh, for a very long time. I grew up in the church. So some of you who are teenagers who've been growing up in church, I understand you. In that I, too, have grown up in church. Where other people, they got saved when they were maybe a teenager or an adult. It's sort of a different experience. And, but I found in my life... Um, as much as I've been trusting in the Lord and really obeying him, um, there is a relation between that and the path that my life took. So I'm going to share that with you. Starting with the uh, age of 6 to uh, 16, and yes, that's a Dutch boy haircut. <sighs> it was the 70s. 
And I grew up in a variety of uh, Baptist churches in Massachusetts, which is very similar in New Jersey that you don't have a lot of evangelical churches. And, and, and all of the churches that I, I went to um, for most of my childhood were evangelical, um, say from the age of seven onward. Duxbury Baptist Church, Bible Baptist Church, Calvary Baptist Church. So I was in church all the time. We even had church on Sundays. Think about that. Teens, think about think about having to go back to church on Sunday. Whew. Okay. But I also was part of youth group, which for me was kind of a haven because I, I never felt like I fit in in um, junior high and high school, but I did in the youth groups that I belonged to. And I really did treasure that, but it didn't mean that I always listened. And it didn't mean that I always paid attention. And it didn't mean that I that they weren't things I didn't like. You know, we sang old songs. And you know, some of them I love, and I know that now, but back then it's like, ah, they're all old, 50, 100 years, 200 years. Anything that was new was happening in California, these hippies that were starting churches, the, these Calvary chapels, hadn't really made their way out to the East Coast yet. Um, but, you know, that's what we did, and, and that, as we moved along, um, Stylistically, I didn't get any better. I'm the one in the sunglasses, okay? My brother Jim, my brother Jeff, and my stepbrother Michael, because I did have a blended family. Uh, sometimes I wanted to tr I trusted in the Lord, or I wanted to, but often I didn't. I, I could give lip service, though, because, you know, you grew up in church, you know the language, you know the lingo, you know the culture. But trusting in the Lord? Mm, you know what I felt? I felt this. Fear of missing out. I felt like I was missing out in what was going on in the world, that what was going on in the world was somehow fulfilling, and the fact that I couldn't really partake in what was going on, I was missing something. So how was I doing here? Trusting in the Lord with all your heart? Not really. I mean, yes, but often not. Leaning not on my own understanding? Well, no, I depended on the, other, the under, uh, understanding of people in the world. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. You know, I was going to do that until I got a chance to get on my own and make my own decisions. And he shall direct your paths. Funny thing, I was kind of aimless during this time. It's not surprising now when I look back on it. Uh, 16 to 26, I'm in the middle there, okay? And yes, I, I wanted to get over my fear of missing out, and I felt that college would be a place I could do that. So I, I went to a secular school, I, but it was a good school, the University of Massachusetts. And, and funny thing is, when I went to UMass, I heard about Rutgers, and people talked about Rutgers like it was this great place. And then I got to Rutgers, and people talked about UMass like it was this great place. And only to find that they're both great schools, but, you know, in New Jersey, we don't always give Rutgers the respect it deserves, and I think it's the tr true in Massachusetts as well, and as well as in other states. And it was a secular school, but the problem wasn't me going to the secular school. And I lived in sort of an odd, small, artsy dormitory called Butterfield. I'm right there. Butterfield had its own dining commons, 
It had a dance studio with a bar, not that I used it. Um, Silkscreen, pottery, an arts group. Um, it was very countercultural. And um, my mom thought that they were bad influences on me. And, and I explained to her, and this was only recently that it wasn't. It was the best place for me to be because they were people who would let me do something or not do it, and it was okay. They weren't trying to get me to do anything I didn't want to do. So when I look back, I did everything that I wanted to do and not what other people wanted me to do. I was, I was my own worst influence during this time. And even though I self-identified as a Christian still, I didn't want to have anything to do with Christians on campus, and I didn't bother going to church. I lived as if I was not a Christian. And yes, I'm, I got the red bandana on. I still had style problems, okay? You know, among the things I tried was smoking pot, and I rather liked it, so I ended up smoking it every day. Now, most people didn't smoke pot every day, so I would just smoke pot every day, but with different people. And I started to, could that be a problem? Well, you know what was, because for me, it, it, I was off in my own little world. I was very selfish. I was very unproductive. And I, this is rather common. Woody Harrelson's an actor. He was in Cheers and in a lot of movies. And he recently said in People magazine that he stopped smoking pot because when he was smoking pot, he couldn't engage with anybody. Yeah. It took him 20 years to figure that out. OK. Um, it took me two. And I realized it was a problem, and I wasn't sure what I could do about it. You know, I wasn't doing this. I'm not going to read through it this time. I was doing more like the opposite. I was trusting in myself with all my heart, leaning not on God's understanding, and all my ways ignore him as much as possible, and I will direct my own paths. So I was a Christian trying to live as if I wasn't a Christian. Guess what? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So if you're young and you're hoping to get out and do whatever you want, and you are a Christian, and you know you're a Christian, and you know, I mean, you know who you are, it doesn't work. It will not work. There will be problems. God will let you go your way, like he did me. He will do things to get your attention. Count on it. Okay. And for those of you who don't know Christ, well, I still have something for you. We're just not there yet. Um, what I was doing was grieving the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 4.30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And I was sealed for the day of redemption, but I was grieving the Holy Spirit. And in that chapter, chapter 4, before, this is verse 30, verses before it, we'll talk about the different things that might grieve the Holy Spirit, some of which I was doing. And God, from time to time, still made his presence felt during, during these two years. Sometimes it was like a dull headache where I knew that I was grieving the spirit, but I tried not to pay attention to it. Maybe I'd smoke a joint instead. Maybe that would help me to forget. But then there were some things that I couldn't ignore. Once I was sitting in my dormitory room, door was open. Because it was the late 70s, you could do this. I was rolling a joint late 70s. And there was a guy who came up. He knocked on my door, which was open. And, and he was going to tell me about Jesus. Obviously, I'm rolling a joint. I must need to hear it. 
yeah. And I could have explained it as well as or maybe better than he could. I said no, I kicked him out. Yeah, funny thing is that, that you couldn't really, going door to door now, that would probably get you kicked out of school. But that's the time that we live in. Um, but I certainly was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit in a big way there because I was living a life such that people who were Christians didn't think I was a Christian and they wanted to tell me about Jesus. This four spiritual laws, you know, back before the internet, they had these things called tracts. They were little booklets. They would explain different things. They could be religious or non-religious, but uh, Christians often used them to convey the gospel message to people, and then they gave them that so they had something to read. And, and that's what um, he wanted to give to me, but I already knew what it was. I'm going to go through it just so you, we know what he was going to say. God loves us and he created us to know him personally. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus himself says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. They is people like you, like me, and abundantly is a full and meaningful life, which by the way was not a life that I had during that time. We're sinful and we're separated from God. And because of our sin, we can't know or experience God's love or plan for our lives. And Paul wrote to the Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all, we're all in the same bucket of people who um, fall short no matter what we can do. That's why we can't do anything to earn God's favor. One thing about the tract is it had helpful pictures where here you can see sinful man trying to reach God and not doing it because of sin. Now, Jesus Christ is God's only provision for our sin. Through him we know and experience God's love and plan for our lives. Um, and Paul wrote to the Romans again, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. This is all stuff I knew, by the way. Okay. And I should have known that God had a plan for my life. So why wasn't I letting him show me that plan? And Jesus rose from the dead. In 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. And for, just to make sure that we're all clear, um, there is no other path to God. Jesus himself says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to, to the Father except through me. And I believed all of this still. So why wasn't I doing it? So Jesus was the bridge between God and us. And we must individually receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Um, as John wrote in the Gospel of John, as many has received him, he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believed in his name. So we get to be children of God. I knew that. And then, but we receive Christ through faith. By grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God and not the result of works so that anyone should boast. Which again, I believed. 
By the time I got to the spring of my sophomore year, I realized I needed to make changes. And I, part of that had to do with my relationship with God. I did decide I was going to leave the University of Massachusetts, not because of the school, but because I needed a different environment. I felt that that would help me. Because I don't want to blame other people for my sin. It wasn't anybody who I was involved with there, it was me. But before I was going to go to Gordon College, which is where I'd applied, I was going to spend the summer with my dad. Now, my parents had divorced when I was nine, right around the time I came to Christ. Um, and he was moving to New Jersey from Michigan, so I went to New Jersey to spend the summer with him, and that's how I ended up in the Garden State. Now, he was going to a church back then, the Lord's House in Livonia. I don't think it exists anymore. But the, he had a lot of friends who were Christians, and some of them came to visit. And actually, I actually went out to Michigan, and I spent a few weeks out there. I actually stayed at the church, which was kind of weird, but you could stay at the church, and I did. And um, some friends actually came from Michigan and stayed in New Jersey, at least for a while, including Don and Linda Gallup, who um, actually attended Calvary Chapel Old Bridge during the late 80s into the mid-90s. And then he went to the Calvary Chapel Bible College. And then he served on staff in three different churches out west. And now he's a pastor of a small church in Las Vegas. He was one of my early spiritual influences. And God gave me several of them when I rededicated my life to Christ. Um, things started to change. Life didn't get easier, but it started to change. And I went to Rutgers. I'm not sure the style got any better, maybe a little bit, after going to Middlesex County College. And, and you know, I, I was part of Christian groups, but I was attending church. Started playing guitar really, really badly, but it was better than nothing, maybe. <laughs> so things had changed. I was trusting in the Lord with all my heart. I was leaning on my own understanding, and I was in, in all my ways acknowledging him, at least, well, most of the time. And my paths were being directed but there were some exceptions. One of my influences was a man named John Tanner. He was a pastor. He's with the Lord now. He died rather young. Uh, if I had a mentor during this time, it was him. And he told me that I should go into full-time Christian work. I was finishing at Rutgers, and I said, I don't see how that could happen. I don't see how I could pay for it. I don't see how I could get there from here. And was God talking to him? I don't know. I didn't bother to say, hey, God, is this, is this true? Do you really have this path for me? Could you confirm it? I didn't do that, so I'll never know. Now, God still was able to make me use out of me later on, but maybe that was the path I was to take, and maybe I just wasn't listening. I don't know. But I'm thankful that um, nothing's really wasted with God. If you'd asked my 26-year-old self where you'd be in 30 years, I'd say maybe an elder. Maybe I'd be doing something with worship. Maybe I'd be teaching. Not sure what, to, what else. Not kids. Kids was not on my radar. Nothing to do with children. From 26 to 36, well, I had met a, a woman in church. I ended up getting married. We have a daughter. And during this 10-year period, I was back to being inconsistent. When I wasn't backsliding. And it wasn't good. 
and, and I should have done something about it, and I didn't. And yeah, the picture is a, a gathering storm. That's exactly what was happening. You know, in James it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and well, without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And I was living it. Okay. I was living it. And you know what? The storm hit. In January of 1996, I came home to an empty, almost empty apartment. And uh, my daughter was in another state with her mother. And from then on, I only saw her through visits. And by the end of November of that year, I was divorced. You know, that's not supposed to happen. You meet somebody in church, she's a Christian, I'm a Christian, it's not supposed to happen. But it can happen. Now, there were two people in the marriage, and I, and I understand that. But I can only own my part of it. And I needed to do that. I didn't at first respond well to this situation. Just like I hadn't responded well, I could see the storm coming. You would think, well, if there's a storm coming, do something about it. I didn't. But it wasn't long after I realized I needed to, to do, get some help, and I got a counselor. It wasn't a Christian counselor, but at least it was a good counselor. And it pointed me back to church. It pointed me back to God. First, I just showed up. Didn't really talk to anyone. But then after a while, I started to show up a little bit more. And I went to a divorce recovery class. You know, God's faithful. In Philippians, Paul wrote to that church, the Philippian church, I thank God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for all of you with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And that's the important part. God wasn't done with me. I attended a divorce recovery class. I started to take my faith seriously day by day. I started uh, spending time in scripture, not just to do it, but because I needed to, and it was like food. And God started working in my life again, too. Um, there was a Promise Keepers event. My, the church at the time I was attending, it was a big church, so a lot of men went to the Promise Keepers event. It's not an organization that I recommend because they got to the point where they were just allowing a lot of different people in to speak. Some people we would never let speak here. So for that reason, even though they still exist, I, I can't recommend the organization. But at the beginning, they got off to a good start, and, and the Promise Keepers had a big impact on me. Now... After the Promise Keepers event, they, they wanted to have these men's Bible studies for everybody who attended, and there were several of them, and none of them lasted six months, except one. One lasted four years. And in that study, that was the one I was in, the members decided that they needed a leader, and they decided I would be the leader. So I ended up leading a men's Bible study for four years. I couldn't have planned that. I could not have planned that. And later on, I started, well, a group of friends 
were sitting in a Boston Market restaurant, and we decided we would be a small group. And then other people started coming to that home group. I went to the pastor of home groups for the church and said, oh, yeah, we, we, we got a new home group. I'm leading it. Is that okay? And he said, yeah. It was kind of weird, though. Usually that, it's not how it happens, but it happened. And, and not only did we have a home group, but that the people in that group elected me to be the leader of it. It ran for five years. I couldn't have planned that. I couldn't have planned that. Um, I couldn't have planned meeting Sue in church, sister of a friend of mine from college, but I did, and we got married. And um, so I had Amber, who was in another state, but I picked up a daughter in Christine, who was, um, Sue was a single mom, so I, I picked up a daughter immediately, and together we had Tabitha, who some of you know here, and of course, uh, having a new baby can bring so much energy into the family. Well, most of the time anyway. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on your own understanding. I started to do these every day because I needed to. In all your ways, acknowledge him because I need to do that. It's normal for a Christian. And he was directing my paths. He was creating paths that I had not anticipated, that I had not planned for. And the beginning of children's ministry, I hadn't planned for that. I was helping Stu in nursery. I was holding babies and wiping noses and feeding babies and wiping noses. I really liked wiping noses. And I didn't want to do poopy diapers, but Sue said no, she'd do the poopy diapers. And I got to hold a lot of babies, especially crying babies. There was one baby, he'd cry all the time. But if I picked him up, he'd only cry half the time. And actually, that baby turned into uh, a young man who's bigger than me, I think, at this point. I don't know if Jared Voodoo's here or not. Jared, are you here? No? Well, then if he's not, he must have dodged the bullet. He'll hear about this, I'm sure. But then there were other babies that came by. Uh, Jacob McIntyre and Drew, I think, I, I think you came through the nursery, right? Yeah? Okay. Um, and, of course, my daughter, Tabitha. One of the good things about children ministry is you get to see them grow up. And... And they were all attending the same church we were, so I got a chance to see them from a, from a very young age, and it was a blessing. And then once Tabitha was born, we would move up as she did, up until pre-K, and then we, we stayed there, and then she kept going. And that's how I got involved in children's ministry. Five years, I did nothing but hold babies and wipe noses. Okay? Then I picked up the guitar again because Tabitha seemed to like the idea, and I learned some kids' songs, you know, Jesus Loves Me and the B-I-B-L-E, things like that. And, and all the while, I'm trusting with the Lord just as part of my daily life. And um, God was directing my paths. And so this is back in the school here at Calvary Chapel. As you can, some of the, those children are still here today. As a matter of fact, you've, some of you might be sitting in here and recognize yourselves. And parents probably recognize, like, I, yeah, I think Andrew's over there on the side. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't always serious. Uh, I tried to be serious most of the time. Um, Sue and I taught for uh, several years, doing basic classes with young people, teaching what uh, basic things about God to the very young. Um, yeah, we still had fun. I would take a sticker, put it on my face, and then they'd say, there's a sticker on your face or on your nose, and I'd say, no, and then they'd do that. We had fun. 
and I got to do some acting. Some of you might remember this performance at one of the Christmas pageants. Okay. And here you got, I've got two Tabithas, the other is Tabitha Chansev, um, which I put in there just because I like the picture, but again, I get to see them grow up, and some of those kids are still here. To, as I think all of them are still here today. And downstairs, we have a dedicated group of teachers I've been serving with for a very long time. Most of them have been there um, for uh, several years. And um, we teach your children about who God is. We teach them the great stories of the Bible. We present the gospel on a regular basis. Um, and then sometimes we have other things like VBS where the rest of the church will help and we have a VBS for kids. We're, we're going to Rome this year. And um, it's, it's been a wonderful thing seeing the children grow up, telling them about Jesus. And along the way, I ended up doing other things too. I ended up playing, leading songs with my guitar for older kids, which means I had to really work a lot more. But then at the men's fellowship, I, I'd lead, I got a chance to begin that with a song. And by the way, men's fellowship, second Saturday, 8.30, it's fun, it's not boring, it's, it's a, not really a study as much as it is a Bible discussion, a moderated Bible discussion. And it's, if you're young, it's great. If you're old, come on down. Please do come, guys. And, and I even got to lead worship occasionally on a Wednesday night, which is a treat for me. I'm kind of limited in what I can do musically, but I, I can do some songs and people sing, and it, it seems to work, and, and I appreciate the chance to do it. It's a treat for me. So in a way, I'm doing all the things that I thought I'd be doing when I was 26, but I'm doing so much more. And... Um, then the phone rang one day. I was thinking during this time that maybe in 10 years I'd be an elder. 10 years. It'd give me a chance to you know, raise the kids, get some things done. It was Pastor Joe. He said, I'd, I'd like you to think about being an elder. Oh. Well, I said, okay, I will. I'll pray about it. Click. I went to Sue and I said, Pastor Joe thinks that I should be an elder. You don't think I could be an elder, do you? And Sue said, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And then I went to Christine, my older daughter, and certainly if I wasn't anything like what an elder should be, she was going to tell me. She said, oh, yeah, it's a great idea. I went to people who were Christians at work, who'd seen me in a working environment, not at home, not at church. They said, yeah, it's a great idea, over and over again. How did this happen? How did this happen? Well, it didn't happen overnight. It happened day by day, by trusting in the Lord day by day. And, and showing up. I did a lot of showing up over the years, too. And that seemed to help. So here I am, and I've been here for a few years as an elder, and I'm glad to. But I'm, I'm surprised that I'm an elder even today. But nothing's wasted. Nothing that's happened in my life is wasted. And this is the cover for an album by Jason Gray. I probably will get his album. I got a couple of his other ones. I like him. He's been through some storms of life as well. So I think that's where he's coming from when he says nothing is wasted. I say, too, nothing is wasted. No matter how old you are, 
nothing is wasted, and you can still be useful. Remember those hymns I mentioned before, all those old hymns? Well, twice a month I go to assisted, an assisted living place, Brookdale, and people come with us sometimes, so if you ever want to come see what it's like, see me. Norma Evans um, plays piano in the wonderful old Baptist style that I grew up in, and she plays. Norma, are you here today? Okay, I see you over there in the back. Great. And because I know all the old songs, I can lead them because everybody who's there, they don't know the new songs. They only know the old and the really old. So my life back then prepared me to do something with them. Nothing's wasted. So don't follow your passion no matter what you think you might do. And it might, you might be right. But instead, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. If you do that, you will bring your passion to whatever you're doing now. And you know what? God will take care of where you're going. Whether you have an idea of where you're going or you don't. I'm an example of somebody who didn't know what I was going to do, but God made the paths for me as I needed to take them. He'll do that for you too. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you. Let me tell you.